today on the Mountain Climbers Podcast. That is really cool. That is really cool. Internationally recognised real estate mogul Hayden Duncan is here. I don't talk about that a lot. Oh, now you put me on the spot. <laughs> you. Really? You've had, you, you've had those thoughts? When you combine those two things, then anything truly is possible. At 33, he headed up New Zealand's largest real estate organisation. Today... He's the head consultant at Stable 99 and CEO of Tremaine's Real Estate. Learn how Hayden worked his way to the top and how you can too. The Mountain Climbers podcast begins now. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to the Mountain Climbers podcast. My name is Duncan Tolmy, and today I'm joined by someone who's arguably the most influential person on the re- New Zealand real estate scene at the moment. He's also my uncle, Aidan Duncan. I have got to say, you have set the bar very high for the next generation. I don't know how I'm going to live up to what you've achieved, but... <laughs> oh, you're going pretty well so far. <laughs> uh, thank you. Look, um... Success is, for a lot of people, something that's a very gradual process. It happens very slowly. But for you, it really has happened like that. 33, you were the CEO of Harcourt's Real Estate and grew that to be the um, largest and most trusted brand, uh, real estate brand within New Zealand. Um, What is different about you that means you're able to move up the ranks so quickly? Uh, I think, um, you know, it may look like um, success happens quickly, and it it really doesn't. I think, um, you know, there's... uh, uh, at 33, to be running an organisation like uh, Harcourts, where you've got so many people and, and so many uh, great people around you and, and a great brand, uh, it doesn't happen just by walking in. I think, hmm. um, you know, at 17, uh, I was doing the grind and, and working hard. And I think, you know, the, the lessons that you, you learn when you um, go through a process of, of development, um, both the good and the, and the not so good, um, sets you up for for being able to put your hand up and say, hey, look, I think I can do this. And uh, having an attitude of challenge, you know, not only in yourself but in others as well. Mm. Is there a particular characteristic about you that means that you are able... Because, I mean, most most people really don't make it that young. What what is there a particular characteristic or a drive within you that means you've been able to do that? Yeah, I have I have some values that I live by, and and one of them right at the top of the list is that you know everything has to start with the the, the philosophy that anything is possible, um, and you know I think for me there's two ingredients that need to be necessary in, in anything we do, and and one is that you've got to be successful in what you do, otherwise it's not worth putting your time into it mm-hmm. uh, and energy, and everyone else is around you. Uh, the other thing is it's got to be fun, and you know when you combine those two things, um, you know then anything tr- truly is possible. And, uh, you know, people that work with me tend to learn that quite quickly, that, you know, because something's been done a certain way for a certain amount of time and it's working doesn't mean that that's the way it should be done in the future. And there's probably better ways, more fun that can be had out of it, which can create success. People are attracted to people that are successful and having fun. Mm. What do you think makes a good leader? Uh, well, the difference between a, a leader and a great team member is is a team member is often all about what's in it for me. So they say, hey, you know, when I'm uh, looking at what I'm going to get paid or how many hours I'm going to get or what recognition am I going to get as part of that role, um, a leader says um, not what's in it for me but what's in it for the people around me. How can I, how can I develop people and make them successful? And one of the, the leaders that I worked for when I was younger, he, he used to have a saying, he said, if you, if you focus on creating everyone, uh, success in everyone around you, you'll be unusually successful in yourself. And, and mm. it's, you know, it's one of the, the 
a very true, um, the very you know, it's a truth that that does uh, exist. And I think you talk to any successful people, um, uh, that's certainly something that you know they don't become successful by being successful in, in a silo. They do it by having great people around them and growing those people and giving them opportunities. Mm. How do you motivate your team? I don't think you can motivate people. I think um, that's people a, aren't motivated, well, uh, aren't uh, motivatable. Well, I think it, m- companies and organisations are much better at destroying motivation than creating it. Mm. I think when people start in an organisation and they they apply for a role or they they choose to do something, they're relatively motivated when they apply for the role and they're quite excited about what the future might hold. I think uh, organisations have a way of actually uh, sometimes. Um, diminishing that excitement um, once they're in the organisation. I think within our our organisation um, and within organisations I've, I've headed, it's been really important that we maintain that fun because uh, with fun becomes uh, creativity. Uh, it comes uh, with uh, the way we treat people as different and better. There's a much greater level of respect amongst uh, both the colleagues and the way that they treat the, the clients and customers. So, you know, that, that fun factor and having a respect for oneself and for people around you is, um, is significant. But when it comes to actually motivation, I I don't think, you know, people go to Anthony Robbins and they, they spend three or four days there and they come away mm. feeling very motivated for about a week and then, then it disappears, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I think motivation comes from internal drive and ambition and and excitement and, and being able to see what the future looks like if the, if the energy and the time is applied, um, that the outcome is going to be worth it and, you know, I think most companies probably haven't got a great focus on maintaining it. We we do have a very, um, I like to think within the organisations that I've been involved in, we, we have a very strong focus around making sure that people are enjoying what they do, that mm. they're having fun and they can see uh, see what, what's worth working for. There's a fine line between having fun and getting the job done at the same time. So what are some examples of how you make things fun? Oh, now you've put me on the spot. Um, <laughs> so um, I guess, um, you know, sometimes you can have that and it's something that's not planned and it mm. can be impromptu and and uh, it can be, um, you know, with people around you in the office if there's an environment where it's okay to have a good laugh and, and have some fun. Um, I think within bigger organisations where people are busy and there's, and there's a, a very strong work ethic, what I've found to work well is actually having people within the business that are appointed to make sure that we have things that look like they're impromptu fun <laughs> that actually are fun but if you don't plan something it tends mm. not to happen so yeah. with something that's as important as fun in a business you actually have to plan it so what um, is it like a beach day that oh, kind of fun well it can be it might be um, as something as small as just having things around the team like the the baby photos competition where you have all the baby photos of everyone in the staff put up and everyone mm. has to try and guess who's who or you know <laughs> yeah. two, we did one a few years ago that was fantastic where we had uh, you had to give three facts about yourself to the you know to the person that coordinated it all one of the facts had to be a lie and everyone else had to pick out which the lie was and then we all got together, had pizzas for lunch, and 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 went through and identified. You know, tell me, Duncan, which was the lie, and uh, what was. And sometimes fun can be accelerated by people making mistakes. And on that occasion, one of the ladies that worked for us had actually written all three of them as truths, but, um, and none of them we could believe. Right, so uh, it was a great way to learn about people. But you know, that sort of. Uh, fun factor that um, is uh, by design and, and by planning. Um, the other part of it is I think a big part of being a leader is that um, when you walk into a room that people feel like there's a, an energy about that 
person that says, you know, anything could happen, and right, and probably will, mm. but we're also going to be approachable, have fun, and we're going to listen. And that, that does create a different environment, I think. Mm. And there's a story that you told me a few weeks ago about one of those times where you really made people sit up in the room when Tremaine's Real Estate was taking on um, alternative, or not alternative, but additional businesses. Would you be willing to share that today? Just recently in the last uh, three months. So uh, beginning November, we, we uh, have uh, acquired a couple of local businesses, First National and, and also LJ Hooker in, in the Bay of Plenty and Rotorua. And they, um, as a sales business, people don't like being bought. You know, that sort of goes back mm. to the feeling of slavery. Um, so <laughs> as an organisation, we, we have a business that's entirely based on people. And so in any transition, um, where we acquire a business, it's um, our business is all about people and retaining the ones that are going to fit in with the culture and the way that we want our business to be run and, and the representation in the marketplace. And then obviously there's some people that aren't compatible with that and, and having to move that over. But you know that that transition was was a, a good one. We we transitioned First National. Um, over a period, I think, of, of sort of around 50 days um, in the, the transition of all the marketing and all the documentation and the licensing and all the things that need to happen for mm. all the individuals and, and the branding. And that, that wore out our leadership team they, the, and our marketing team, and everyone was sort of feeling quite... Um, After the 50 days. Yeah, and then <laughs> yeah. We, we had LJ Hooker to, to rebrand, and we had about 40 days initially to, to rebrand LJ Hooker. And we were having a meeting with our team that were responsible for the rebrand uh, logistics, and they were saying to me, Hayden, we're, we're not going to be able to get this done in 40 days. 50 days was just enough to get First National done. I said, well, we've done it once. We've learned some lessons from that. I'm sure we can do it in 40 days because anything's possible. And one thing I don't like to be is too reasonable. So when it comes to expectations, mm-hmm. I think people are much more capable than they give themselves credit for often. So giving people a little nudge and a push in regards to what's, you know, what they can expect from themselves is, is sometimes a good thing. So they all said, hey, look, 40 days probably isn't enough. And so I walked out of the room. I talked to the previous owner that we were buying the the business off. And I said, hey, look, these dates aren't going to really work. And he said, well, look, I'm more than happy to bring it forward. So I walked back into the room and I said, the bad news is, uh, the good news is, sorry, that we're going to not do it. We're not going to do the 40 days, right? We're going to bring it forward and we're going to do it in 27 days. And um, Wow, my goodness. And the team, you know, knowing me as they did, sort of looked at me and said, hey, look, We'll get it done, right? And, and we know we can do it, but but, but it'll be a challenge. And, mm. you know, we, we did that, and it was exceptionally smooth. And one thing we're very proud of is in a business where people could go and change brands very quickly within the real estate sector and the industry's known for people moving around of all the trans through all that transition there's no one that we offered a contract to that didn't join us and over the last three and a half months not one of them has moved to someone else so so i think we're we're really proud of the fact that you know culture is a massive thing around Mm. growing any business but particularly in real estate we were all about people and the learning point in that is be unreasonable but are you realistic still at the same time? Well, I think you can't set targets that aren't achieved because that does yeah. start to destroy people's soul and, and, <laughs> and, and, and people get despondent. And, yeah. and I don't think you can do that too often either because it does take an energy and a time and a toll on not only that person but also the people around them, their families and friends mm. and their, their lives that they have outside of business. But the, the choice we had in that case is a no-win choice because you've got a group of uh, individual people that are entirely based on performance roles uh, that we're transitioning and the longer that it took us to transition 
the more they're in limbo and their businesses are going to be impacted, mm. which is going to impact their family, their friends, and, and their futures. So, so for us, speed was a was a requirement. And you know, for my team, there was an impact on probably a team of ten key people that were going to do some hours, including me, that were were unsocial, uh, antisocial, and um, you know, our families probably weren't so keen on. But the alternative was that we were going to have a significant impact on many more if we didn't. So, you know, mm. it's about being reasonable um, around what people could expect around how we're going to treat people in our business, but also being unreasonable about when it's going to have a larger impact. More broadly, we've got to get things done and do them right. Why is it important to be unreasonable in those circumstances? Well, I don't know that it's necessarily being unreasonable from my point of view. I think, okay. um, you know, I sort of look at it and, you know, when it comes, I'm, I'm one of those typical leaders that has no idea about technology and what happens behind the scenes with technology or when we roll out a piece of marketing in a campaign, uh, I don't really understand the mechanism behind what has to go on behind the scene with creative and all that. So mm. I look at it and say, hey, at the end of the day, this is what we're rolling out. And it seems very simple and straightforward to me. If we need a technology piece of our, our business changed, it doesn't seem overly complex or difficult. So I yeah. say, well, why can't we do it? And why can't we do something in two weeks that you're telling me we've got to take three months to do? And I, I do listen and we, we try to come from a point of understanding rather than judgment. Um, but sometimes it's just because people have been used to having three-month time frames instead of two-week time frames. So mm. putting, you know, putting things that are achievable, but uh, you know, coming from a point of saying, hey, I understand this now a lot better and there's some things we can change to make this more efficient and better for people. Um, mm. Yeah. And when people are challenged, it does improve their their motivation, like we were talking about before. It does improve their motivation and their connection to the business as well, don't you think? Well, I think you know, some, uh, there's times when it probably you know during the process maybe doesn't. Yeah, um, but, absolutely. But, you know, and there's you know, it's, we don't live in a perfect world, and people get frustrated and they, they get um, sometimes angry and that sort of thing with the time that, that that they're asked for. But I think what people around me experience is at the end of that, when we finish the transition, they're incredibly proud of what that team has achieved as as a group um, and they can look back and say no one else has ever done that before right like what we yeah. created in three months no one's ever done in our industry in New Zealand before as far as the speed at which we've entered a market amalgamated a whole lot of brands and not lost people so you know when, when that team of 10 are in the middle of the chaos and the the craziness of that uh, that transition and the work and the antisocial hours it's it's hard work right people are working hard and there's some frustration and some challenges but mm-hmm. when we get to the end people look back and they're, they're incredibly proud of what they've done and that is something that does make for a pretty um, formidable team when you um, have other challenges that come up. Mm. If I'm a manager and I have one of my staff who is not performing to the standard I'd expect or they're just something's going on, which is there a way to figure out a formula of some sort to figure out what is happening here? That is a great question, Duncan. <laughs> um, there's, uh, um, there is. There's a, there's a thing that um, is, it originated in sport, and I think it originated from the All Blacks, and uh, they call it the performance triangle. And if you're looking at anything, it doesn't matter whether you're a manager or whether you're an employee or even at home with your family, uh, there's a thing called the performance triangle, and, and three things need to be present in order for performance to, to live, right, at a high level. The first is mindset, and that is, you know, what's the attitude, what's their thinking about this situation? Because 
if one of the things I talk to our leadership team about is we can't want something more than somebody else, Duncan. You know, I'm not mm. going to go home and lose sleep over something if you're if the problem relates to to you and you're going off to the beach and going to go on holiday, right? I'm not going to lose sleep over that. So I can't want something more than you do. It's got to have a, a, a mindset about, hey, look, we're excited. I want to do this and I, I need to be in the right space. Mm. The second thing is you need to have um, uh, the skills to be able to do it. Right, so training and development of people is an area where sometimes we can overload people and have higher expectations of their performance or their abilities than maybe they have of them themselves. So, uh, you know, if they've got the right attitude and we can train them and develop them, then it's going to be uh, beneficial. Um, and the third is uh, the the systems and tools. And I think, you know, again, uh, you know, a lot of people jump straight to that and say, well, we need a system or we need a person to do that role instead of saying, hey, look, if we got someone with the right mindset doing this, have they got the right skill set to be able to deliver it and do mm. it? And then have they got the right tools? I sort of talk about if you have a motivated person with the tools, right, then they're just a, they're just a motivated idiot. With <laughs> Particularly in the building trade, they'd be a dangerous motivated idiot, right? Mm-hmm. So you have a, a power saw, but you don't know what you're doing with it. It's a very dangerous. So, uh, and, and on the other hand, if you have uh, people with the tools uh, and uh, the skills but not the motivation, you're never going to get the job done on time, on budget, at a high level. So um, so we look at that across our business and say, hey, you know, if we've got challenges around the business, whether it be a, a process, a system, a structure or a person, we look at it and say, hey, which one of these do we need to work on in order to develop it and get it right? Mm. Now, that is a leadership strategy. That is really <laughs> cool. That is really cool. I think a lot of people are going to get something from that. I certainly did. So mindset, tools and uh, systems and then skills. That's right. Mindset, tools, skills. Awesome. Next time on the Mountain Climbers Podcast, my conversation with internationally recognised real estate mogul and business consultant Hayden Duncan continues. You do start to have a considerable amount of self-doubt. What has been the greatest sacrifice? Yeah, really, yeah. you've had yeah. you've had those thoughts. What do you think is the greatest lesson that your parents taught you? <laughs> I learned about how to get through tough times and the moment that changed the trajectory of Hayden's life. We borrowed slash stole his boat. How big was this boat? Just under 50 feet and it was worth a lot of money. I was shocked he was willing to share this much. Find out next week on the Mountain Climbers Podcast.